Hi, and welcome to Apple Jam, a place where my friend Neil McCutcheon and myself, Bernardo Morales, discuss Beatles and Beatle-related records. These conversations are hosted in Clubhouse, where we meet every two weeks to discuss an album. We'd like to invite you to join the Apple Jam Club in Clubhouse and to follow us on Instagram. Now, without any further ado, here's the episode. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year and welcome to the first Apple Jam of this year. And I'm here with Bernardo Hello. Morales. And we're going to be talking about the reissue of Revolver. Indeed. Um, we already did an episode about Revolver, and um, there you can um, find out what our opinion is about the record itself and, and the tracks. But in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the special edition, which was released in October last year. Oh, yeah. I mean, this one, the Giles Martin work on this one. A lot of people have said that he's got a subtler uh, more, you know, less showy, uh, you know, as time goes on. And, um, you know, that he's just kind of highlighted things that need to be highlighted. But one of the things about Revolver that I noticed, and it's wonderful on the new version, is just the simplicity of the arrangement. I think the Beatles are entering here into their peak uh, of arranging songs. And, you know, there are very, you know, very few parts going on. You know, the harmonies are layered, but there are very few actual parts with the instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and they all shine out here with this demixing technology. So they really, you know, the the arrangements are just so clear. And, and I love that. Yeah, the demixing technology that was developed by Peter Jackson's team. Um, Do you want to was, say something about that? Well, I don't know very much about it, except that it was developed for the Get Back movie that was released, um, was it 2021? Yeah, Christmas yeah. 21. Um, so that technology was developed for that, which meant that they could take um, kind, they could take one track that would have several instruments and voices, and then they could divide that into um, into kind of individual tracks. Um, That's right. So they so they ba- basically like the Beatles had this bouncing technique, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Where they would they would put uh, they because they only had four tracks, right? Which Sergeant Pepper yeah. done on a four track, I think. So they would bounce things onto one track, and then once things are on that track, you can apply EQ and volume changes to that track. But of course, it affects everything together. So. This demixing means that you can finally bring out an individual thing like the bass or somebody's vocal and apply EQ and volume and, and of course, panning Mm -hmm. to that separately, which makes all the difference. I mean, it's just incredible in this album. Yeah, just to talk about some of the tracks from the from the actual album before we we talk Mm. about the 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 special edition bonus tracks. I'd, yes. I'd never heard such a well-mixed version of Taxman, I have to say. It was such a pleasure to hear it when it came out. It's a perf- that is perfection, isn't it? Yeah, it was Taxman, really wonderful. And the, I mean, the bass part, obviously we knew... I think before I kind of thought that the, the guitar was doing the bass or something, that it was... And that's how I used to play it on guitar. But it's not. And Paul's doing this very sparse bass part that stops... And then the guitar, the rhythm comes in with these stabs, and you can hear it so much more clearly. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's really good. I'll play a bit of it, if that's okay. Yeah. One, two, three, four. One, two. Let me tell you how it will be. 
don't know if you noticed this as well, but you can hear the hi hats more in this version than uh-huh. in the previous versions. It's so the drums are also punchy. Yeah, you know, I wish. I think it's a shame that I guess the Beatles were trapped in their time in a way. Even they were trapped in their time at this stage because the tracks are all so short, two to three minutes. I just think a modern band could have taken this and this arrangement and just, you know, added up, doubled it in length and just really played with I mean, can you imagine if you just took that basic uh, arrangement with the bass and drums and everything and what you could do with it and what you could add with it? But, of course, they thought, well, once the song's over, it's all over. Time to fade out. Yeah. And I just wish that this one in particular, I wish it was longer. Yeah, well, <laughs> some of the songs here are, are extremely short. I mean, side one yeah. of Revolver is 18 minutes and 33 seconds, and side two is 16 minutes and 28 seconds. That's that really crazy. Short. And given that this, in many people's opinion, is their best album, yeah. everything's short, you know. And I guess they don't outstay their welcome. But for Taxman, I could just really envisage that, you know, building up and building up. I know. And imagine 16 minutes and they included um, Good Day Sunshine and Your Bird Can Sing for no one. Dr. Robert, I want to tell you, got to get you into my life and tomorrow never knows. And that was 16 minutes. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the sound is amazing. Some people were complaining about the mix of Tomorrow Never Knows because there is some panning of some um, of the effects. Um, okay, well, I've got a bone to pick there. I mean, okay, so again, I think it's too short, and I, I wish Tomorrow Never Knows was 10 minutes long, but okay, think about John's vision for the song. Now, I remember listening to the original and I played it a lot of times and I played it to friends, you know, who don't know the Beatles and all that. And I've always thought it was kind of thin and reedy. I mean, it is amazing and um, I mean, we talked about it before, Uncut said, Uncut Magazine said, one of the most striking three minutes of music ever created. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but John's vision for it is this kind of psychedelic mayhem you know and it's not very complicated it only has five loops i think um in addition to you know the bass and drums there's not a lot going on there um but i think the panning adds to it i mean that really helps i think and uh yeah don't you i mean it's not i agree completely make it more psychedelic (laughs) it does and i think that kind of well the, the track itself the drums sound so good um, and the bass as well is just such a full track, and I guess like I'd never experienced that track in 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 that way with with the older versions. And I think that the panning adds to it; it just makes it more colorful. Yeah, it's 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 really improved. It's got a lot of um, it's just got a lot of depth. It was a bit thin before. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, more- and, and I don't know if you, what what do you think of the mono mix of that because it's slightly different. It's slightly different. There was one mono mix which I think was released um, in the first kind of batch um, mm. and in the first cut, and I think it's slightly different to to that's right the stereo version. It has some of the, the just the loops are slightly different. Yeah, yeah. Um, I much prefer the stereo version. I have to say. Yeah, I'm not. Um, I remain to be convinced about mono. I, I, in theory, I know, I know why mono is good but um i think i grew up in the stereo era so so i'm not rushing out to get the mono set or anything like that 
Yeah, but there are certain records of the Beatles that I think sound better in, in mono. If we talk about Please Please Me or A Hard Day's Night, I prefer the mono mixes than the stereo mixes. But that's because... Because of that weird... Because of the weird stereo and because they were recording on two track. So you have all the vocals on one side and the music on another side. So it's really uncomfortable to listen to. And there are certain mixes which are just not very good in stereo. Um, I don't know if you've heard that the the version of If I Fell that comes on the stereo version of A Hard Day's Night. Not not recently. So it's it's double tracked. Like the intro part is double tracked, but in the mono yeah. it isn't. And I think it just sounds much nicer um, when it's not double tracked. And there is also well, we'll talk about this when we do the the, the episode on a Hard Day's Night. But um, Paul's voice goes in, towards the end of the song, and you can hear. I it. love that. Yeah, you do. You, you like that. You you can't hear that oh on the mono God, version. I love one of the things I love about the Beatles um, is the mistakes. I and I love it um, not just about the Beatles. I like the fact that sixties records. I mean, one of my favorite tracks is Give Me Shelter by The Stones. And again, it's because somebody, one of the backing singers, her voice breaks because she's so excited. And that nowadays they'd say, take it again, you know, take it again. That's no good. But I love that they leave these things in. And um, again, with Paul, it's just that it kind of humanizes it. And, 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 and one of the things on this is Eleanor Rigby. I, one of the things I miss is on the original version, you know, when the... Paul's double vocal suddenly pans into mono for the verse, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a kind of a mistake. Uh, it wasn't. It's a, it's only stereo for one syllable, and then it goes into mono. And of course, that's gone now. They've ironed it out. But I love those mistakes. You know. Yeah. I, I guess the only one I, I didn't like. I guess there was a dropout, wasn't there, in paperback writer somewhere? There was, and there were two things I don't like as much. I don't like that first chord in Yellow Submarine. <laughs> oh, I, I'm trying to think about the one you're talking about. Okay, Just I'll, the... I'll show you. I'll show you. Go so, on. so the, the old version. Let me just get the old version of Revolver here. Okay. Um. So the old version of Revolver had here it is. It just started with the vocal. So here you go. In the town where okay. I was born. Okay. And yeah. the new version has that extra chord. Um. Here you go. In the town oh! where I was born, <laughs> lived a man. Yeah. You are so observant. I'd never spotted that. <laughs> yeah. And I, it, it, it just felt wrong with that extra chord for some okay. reason when I first heard the, the new um, remix. I have to say that Yellow Submarine, which always was a track that I would skip, because, um, you know, I mean, I liked it as a child, but. And I found it increasingly irritating as I got older. I think it's much better now. I I, prefer, I like the stereo sound effects. They're so, r- real fun, right? And I think George's vocal part is very much like a kind of dirge. I mean, it's obviously it's worked out, but it's not a very good harmony. It's just monotonous. And I think in the new version, they've sort of balanced that better with the other uh, so that there's a bank of harmonies there. And I much prefer it. Yeah, I still prefer the Peter Cobbin mix from the song track. I have to say, it's just oh, that, I'd have to go back. I'd have to go back and it's check the, that. It's that chord, <laughs> just the one chord. That's interesting. <laughs> but I have to I'm say, I'm going to skip it. Yeah. I'll skip the song. I have to say, my favorite version of Yellow Submarine was the one that came out um, in the single for Real Love. 
um, in, when they released the anthology, and they included it in the in the super deluxe edition, um, which is the Yellow Submarine highlighted sound effects. Um, did you get to listen to that one? That was the only one that I didn't listen to. Yeah. Though I've got the single for Real Love, I should go. I should go and listen to it. Yeah. So what is it? It's just that they brought the level of the sound effects up. Yeah, it's just a little bit more kind of over the top. I'll play a bit of it. Cool. And we were marched till three the day to see them gathered there. From Lander Groats to John O'Green, with Stepney do we tread to see us yellow submarine. We love it. In the town where I was born, lived a man who sailed to sea. And he told us of his life in the land of submarines. So we sailed onto the sun till we found the sea. So it's really nice to hear all those bells on, on. I think that's the first time in my life that I've really heard that. Yeah, what, what a good idea. I don't know why I didn't, because I, I, I was going through the discs and for some reason I didn't, I didn't hear that one, but that's lovely. Probably because it was Yellow Submarine. Maybe, <laughs> but I always enjoyed those sound effects as a kid and I enjoyed John's joking. The sort of very English voice as well. Yeah, um, and just to finish with a new remix, um, another r- version I don't like as much is for no one. Um, I like the one in the in the older CD a little bit. Oh, better. I love, I love for no one. Why don't you like it? It's just that in the older one, because um, because of the stereo panning, it just kind of left this kind of emptiness, this kind of space. You could hear the air, and it made the song a little bit uh. sadder. And oh, I can see what you mean, because now they've 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 done the stereo keyboards. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I see. I see what you mean. So they've they've added a kind of luster to it now. With the, they've got this clavichord and money, and they've got the piano and the other. Yeah, it, it sounds um, more modern yeah. now, which is good. I mean, I like that. I mean, probably like you you could argue that it sounds better, but it just doesn't add to the to the feeling of the song, you know. I see what you mean. Yeah, because it's a bleak it's a it's a bleak song. So why make it sort of rich? Yeah. And one of the things I liked uh, in the new version, it, possibly in the old version as well, but I noticed it much more now was the kind of tonal contrast between the kind of sharpness of that clavichord. I'm not exactly sure what a clavichord is. It's a kind of harpsichord, but the sharpness of that and the very soft trumpet. So the the way that they can do that now with EQ much better than I guess they could at the time. Yeah. And uh, uh, that that's that's it's beautiful. It's like a it's like a painting, you know. They they fuss so much over the mix. What did you think of Eleanor Rigby? So again, that's a kind of a bleak song. Yeah. But now with the again with the orchestral panning, it's uh, much richer. Did you like that? Yeah, I loved it. It just sounds good now. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't think it sounded very good before. Um, excellent song and one of my favorite Beatles songs ever. But um, but yeah, but I think now th- this is the version that you want to go to if you want to listen to Eleanor, Eleanor Rigby, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. And, and I mean, I think with the new version, what I noticed most of all, I think the harmonies were really brought out so you can hear the individual voices sometimes. And the harmonies are flawless. You know, they're wonderful, like in, uh, in your And Your Bird Can Sing or... Um, here, there, and everywhere, just wonderful. And again, I go back to the arrangement. Like I, I just wonder how much was 
Paul or the Beatles, you know, because we're entering sort of peak Paul here, right? Mm. And and how much was George Martin? Uh, 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 you know, did he write those harmonies? Did he just help with those harmonies? Because I mean, they're just flawless, and they they make this record. You know, I know they're starting to do this on Rubber Soul, but if you compare the harmonies on something like I don't know this boy, which you know that's pretty layered and everything but then compare it with here there and everywhere and it's kind of you know it's a different league yeah but it's only paul right he's harmonizing with himself isn't he is he i think so God, i didn't know that i didn't know that i always assumed it was the three of them always yeah. really wow so I think it's possible just double tracked you, you mean throughout the verses yeah, all that. Ooh. Oh no, no, that's them. Sorry, Paul. no, that, 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 no, that's that's um, John and and George. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I yeah, because I just, I just think, I mean, I know that they were there before, and I was always aware of them. But I think in this mixtape, I mean, I've said it before that thing. I don't know who said it originally, but the the, the Beatles were a kind of quite good instrumental band, but you know, a first rate vocal band. Right, and that yeah, just comes across. So they were so careful with the harmonies, and like every nuance. When you do harmonies, you've got to track the nuance of the lead voice, and you've got to be right next to that, and you can't vary it too much. When you hear rough harmonies, you know what I'm talking about. And here on uh, on Revolver, it's just flawless. It's flawless, and my favorite Beatles harmony, kind of later Beatles actually, and like not talking about Revolver, just getting out of, of Revolver for a second, is in Octopus's Garden. Oh yeah, the the harmonies there are really really nice. I'll have to go back to that and check yeah. it out because oh, obviously on Abbey Road they did um, Sun King with um, what is that's the one with all the you know the what's the one on Love where they just stripped away all the instrumentations at Sun King. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, um, it's because it's because it's um, so because sort of showing off the harmonies, but um, yeah, it's not the only track where the Beatles are like that because they're, they're like that throughout their career. Yeah, I think they used that version as well in the anthology in anthology three. They released them yeah, because um, exactly. without music. Anyway, some of these things when we, when we get to the outtakes, some <laughs> of them are the same as anthology three, exactly, aren't they? Yeah, most, most of the good ones you could say are, are are the same as anthology three, except ah, for perhaps a couple. I, I hadn't been okay. Um, yeah, so let's go into that. Yeah. Um, so there were a couple that hadn't been released before, um, either in anthology three or in bootlegs, because there was one bootleg that was very popular called the Alternative Revolver, which I actually bought in in England, um, like in two thousand and two. What's the quality like on those? It's very similar, actually, but there were lots of versions that were not um, that were not in in that album and that were new to me. The so first... it's good quality. It's good, yeah, it, it's um, good. you know, because I always wonder with bootlegs if they've been copied and copied and copied. Mm-hmm. But they, they were pretty good. Um, okay. And the first one that I never heard before was "Got to Get You Into My Life." That version with the guitars. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'll that's play... quite interesting. Yeah, I'll play a bit of it. So that's that's the normal one, right? That's the normal one. Yes, sorry, I meant. Is it this one? Let me see. Another 
Oh, that's great with the fuzz. Yeah. And I kind of like it better than the than the original, or maybe it's just because it's new. Yeah, there's there's loads of energy there. It kind of sounds a bit busy. Mm-hmm. But um, with this one, again, with the arrangement, I wonder who took the decision, and I just wonder if it was George Martin, to trim out all the guitar links, right? Except for the last one, you know, the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Only the last one makes it really effective for it to come in once. I mean, how clever is that? Yeah, that was very I wonder is this, who, who thought, well, we're going to take it all out, but we'll leave in the last one. Ah, oh, that must have been George Martin. Is that the same one version that's on Anthology? I'm just asking, I'm not sure. No, the, the version on, on Anthology was the first version, um, Take 5, which is this one. With the organ. Ah, uh, yeah. So I didn't know there was John's speech before. There's a lot of discussion, isn't there, about yeah. beginning with the organ? <laughs> oh, here you go. Another road where maybe I could see another kind of mind Right, oh, so the fuzz guitar isn't there at all. Yeah. And that was take five. Um, and then take eight is more similar to the one we know, which is this. Without vocals. Is that the final take, almost? I don't know, actually. What do you think of the other vocals, like, I need your love, I need your love. I like that. I like how they harmonize. So I, I always like those um, yeah. different versions. Yeah. And to be honest, Got To Get You Into My Life was never one of my favorite songs from, from Revolver because I, I never really liked the mix. I like it much better now, I have to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I wasn't sure about the, the brass. I mean, I do like it on Motown records, and maybe they were trying to mimic that's Motown exactly a what little trying to do, yeah. But um, it's funny. I, I I can take the brass on Savoy Truffle because I think they again compressed it a lot or something. I wasn't sure about it here, but you know I'm used to it now. Um, but I can see that that guitar one is really you know exciting. That's a nice version. Yeah. Um, another song moving on from "Got to Get You Into My Life" that I'd never heard was all the different versions of "Love You Too." Yeah, well, that's one of the... It really transforms, doesn't it? Because the first one is really basic, isn't it? Yeah, the first version I mean, is just sounds, like him on guitar. It sounds like nothing. Yeah. Sorry? The first version is just George on guitar. Yeah, and it kind of sounds like nothing. And I think Paul is attempting a harmony at some point in one of the versions, maybe the first one. And then um, the second excerpt has George practicing the sitar and that's really interesting because you can hear him kind of sighing and working really hard at it and i have to correct my error because the last time uh that we talked about revolver i said that there were uncredited indian musicians playing uh here as you know they were on within you without you and i had no idea that george was doing this by himself oh is he because it's, yeah it's george i had no idea i thought this this is george playing 
Um, and I, I, there may be other musicians as well, but he's playing the lead sitar, and uh, and you can hear him when he's playing it. You can hear he kind of he's kind of mouthing the vocals a little bit, and you can hear that he ha- kind of has the whole thing in his head. Uh, it's it's really interesting. Yeah, it's true. It says here um, I'm on on the Wikipedia article of of the song. And in the personnel section, it says George Harrison leading back in vocals, acoustic guitar, sitar, rhythm guitar, fuzz tone, and lead guitar. And then, yeah, there you are. Because so, I thought, you know, that of course he was mucking around with the sitar and all that, but I didn't realize that, you know, you can really hear the effort and listen carefully. You can hear him sighing and kind of just getting into it. So, you know, that's, um, it's cool. I, you know, I, I really didn't think that he was doing it. Yeah, I really like the acoustic version as well. <laughs> well, I mean, the acoustic guitar version. Go and play a bit. Okay. Sorry, let me just find it first. Here goes. Yep. One, two, three, four. Each day just goes so fast I turn around, it's past You don't get time to hang a sign on me Love me while you can For I'm a dead old man so if they had developed this idea of this song kind of yeah. acoustic guitar, I think I've, it would have been more popular, maybe. Oh, you think on acoustic guitar? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it, it has that very nice uh, sort of um, typical George rhythm, sort of lagging a bit behind the beat. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, of course, you know, the ri- lyrics have been ridiculed elsewhere, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but did, uh, was it a spelling mistake or did uh, a joke love you too? I don't know, actually. I don't know. I just wonder, like, I'd, lo- I'd love you too. I'd love you too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no idea why he called it that. Hmm. But yeah. He... Anyway, yeah, yeah. I think I got the feeling that I just got the feeling that you know how George was done down a bit, and this whole thing about calling it Granny Smith, and then elsewhere when they're doing, um, I want to tell you, and John's like, "What's it called?" And then you know, it's like Granny Smith too, and all mm-hmm. that. And you just there's just this feeling that he's the underdog, really. You know, and he's, he's very got strange. no title as much, and he's very strange because he he the tax man. For this album, which is, I think, one of the best songs on the album. Yeah, and one of the best songs that he ever wrote. Yeah, but for sure. Paul did remember Paul did the lead lead guitar solo there. So yeah, that on like, the bass. That's got to annoy you, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. But, but if you think about it, like other than Taxman, um, I mean, John's contributions to the album were, and apart from, sorry, other than Tomorrow Never Knows, John's contri- con- John's contribution wasn't amazing on this album, in my opinion. Well, one of the things that um, I read somewhere is that, I mean, they're entering a period of change here where Paul's really stepping up to 
be the mainstay of the band and John's running out of not running out of material or running out of steam and we certainly have some highlights on this album but he's not he's not generating material at the same to the same extent either on this or Sgt. Pepper you know so he's I don't know why retreating into a different kind of life and he's not quite so on fire yeah because if you think John's songs are I'm only sleeping um, she said, she said, um, and your bird can sing, sorry, um, Dr. Robert, and yeah. tomorrow never knows. And Rain, of course, let's not forget Rain. Well, that's um, the single, right? Yeah, so you've got to talk about that, though. Yeah, <laughs> very interesting. The fast this version? The fast, the, Have you the, heard it? The actual speed version. Um, <laughs> I'd never heard that before. And the, they, I didn't realize that they'd slowed it down for the for the one that originally got convinced, released. I'm not convinced that all the instruments were played at that speed. Um, let's, it just sounds like they're on speed. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it, it it's just incredible. Uh, yeah, you're you're probably right. Yeah, I'll I'll play a bit of it. Like, it does sound sped up. I don't know if it's because I'm so used to the actual version of the song, like, um, that I just feel like this wasn't played. Maybe. So apparently, they, you know, they, they, it, it was a sonic experiment. They knew it was going to be slowed down and they just did it like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it does sound really, really manic and it must be the fastest Beatles song ever, right? Yeah, it must be. But I, I still, I'm not convinced that Ringo played the drums so perfectly at that speed. That's what people always comment on. So they basically uh, that that Ringo's drumming um, things don't benefit from being slowed down ever. Vocals, drums, anything. Yeah, and uh, that his drums are incredibly accurate. So perhaps, perhaps he drummed along with the slower one. Maybe, and the bass is a similar thing. Like if you listen to the bass, it's, it's really fast. You know. Yeah, the bass is crazy. So... It's a superhuman bass. Ring quote from Ringo. Yeah. I was possessed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting on this whole album, actually, Ringo, and you can hear it on She Said, She Said as well. Like, he's really stepping up. I know She Said, She Said was the last track that was recorded, but um, you can hear that he's really trying to, I mean, he's aware that the others are being inventive and creative and so on, and he is too. Like, you know, She Said, She Said, really complex drum patterns. Mm-hmm. And, you know... I'm just, I don't know, I've got musical friends who, who slag Ringo off and say that he can't drum, but, you know, he at this stage he was really, really part of the band, developing, getting better uh, as a musician, and, uh, you know, obviously Rain is a kind of tour de force, and yeah, especially I, at that speed. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Like, I think Ringo was a, an essential part of the Beatles, and, and I think he was a very good drummer. And if you'd had a different drummer, he would have sounded different. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I do, what else do you like? Well, what else do you like from the outtakes? From the outtakes, from CD2, um, let's see what else. We have the And Your Bird Can Sing versions. You have um, Take Two Normal and the Take Two with the Giggling, which was released also in, in anthology at the time. Uh, yeah, so I wonder. I always wonder why they left the tape running for that. Yeah, but I mean, it's great that they have it. 
Yeah, but then you, you have Take Two, which which sounds really good, and then you have the version yeah. with the giggling, which sounds as if the giggling had been overdubbed. Yeah, I think. Well, I think that Take Two is. I think that they've got a backing track there, and they're going to put the vocals on top of that. So I think it's a. I know there's basic vocals on there. I don't know if they're about to be removed, if they guide vocals or something like that. Mm-hmm. So they've obviously got something that they're working with. But why somebody didn't say start again, lads? Uh, maybe the engineer had gone out of the room. Who knows? But it's kind of become a classic in its own right because I've heard on normal radio shows, not Beatles special shows, just like regular radio shows, I've heard them be like, okay, now we're going to hear Andrew Bird can sing anthology version because people like to laugh. And so. Yeah, it, it just sounds very authentic. And and it's the Beatles having fun in the studio, I guess. So people like that. I like that. I think it's yeah. nice to have. But exactly. again, it wouldn't be my go-to version of Andrew Bird can sing. I would go um, to the normal version. Yeah, from, but from it's the record. nice. But it's nice to have. What I'll, do you think? Did we? I'll play go a bit on. of it. I'll play a bit of it. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see me <laughs> when your prizes start to weigh you down. Look in my direction. So there you go. When your bike is broken. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I wonder if they'd been um, doing something like. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what I wonder the what they were up to. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> one of the things that um another uh, song that um people have commented on, and I have to refer people to "I Am the Egg Pod," which is the other Beatles podcast, of course. The on the Yellow Submarine original work tape. Um, uh, I can't remember who the guest was, but they had. They said this whole thing about it being a bit like Plastic Ono Band and how it had come from John's soul, something very plaintive, something very uh, lonely about his father. I never thought of that. And um, and then how Paul McCartney came at that with his chorus. And then it was kind of like worlds colliding, really a nice thought how uh, i mean paul changed it kind of into a pop song into a children's song but originally john had been going in that direct direction of of you know soul mining mm, yeah mm. definitely i mean i'll play a bit of that version which i think is the songwriting work tape part i think one. it's the first one the first yeah. one yeah i'll play a bit of it in the place where i was born no one That was the songwriting work tape part one, and part two is with Paul. No, no, no. 
No, but you, you know, as a singer, you okay, were going to well, do the it. Okay, well, I can't sit here. Oh, yeah, okay. It's just critical of the mic. Can you read that? Yeah, I can read it okay now, Paul. Right. You can play on your track and I'll play on mine. It's so nice to hear them kind of chatting. Yeah, I love that too. I like that too. Oh, that's got a rhythm change as well. Yeah. but I kind of like this version better. It sounds a bit more folky. It's, it is a, really a different, um, it's a different rhythm altogether. And you get a sort of, you get a look into the heart of the song there, don't you? And uh, how they took that kind of bass metal and kind of, you know, transformed it through doing it again and again in the studio. Yeah. yeah. And it went from that to this. town where I was born lived a man who sailed to sea and he told us of his life so now this is take four before the sound effects right that's speeded up as well is it listen sped up voice. oh listen to Ringo's voice it, but is it sped up or is it um, or is the actual version sped down it could be it. It sounds like it's uh, it could be sped up. It's very hard to tell because they were sort of playing around with that here. Yeah, and then you mm. have what did you think of the the version with the extra chord <laughs> that I love? Yeah, yeah. Ah, there we are. With that extra chord, come on, take it off. <laughs> yeah, take it off. <laughs> what did you think of? Um, it's interesting. I, I thought with She Said, She Said. Did you like that, the original demo? Yeah, I did. That had been released in that um, Revolver album I'd got in London. Um, so that was going around for years. Had it. So one of the things I noticed about this, um, and it's only John who really does this, is that the, the, the rhythm is quite erratic and it follows the prosody technical word of what he, of what he wanted to say. Mm-hmm. And that carries across to Strawberry Fields. So the kind of the way that he um, is working out Strawberry Fields which isn't that much later. Again, he's being very loose with the rhythm of a pop song and he's following the rhythm of uh, speech. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they, they, they pack it into a pop song eventually. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, so John's way of writing really comes from this is what I want to say. Yeah, and, he, and, and I think there was a, sorry, there was a funny line as well. He says, "And you're making me feel like my trousers are gone." <laughs> That's right, my trousers. You're making me feel like my trousers are torn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll play a bit of it. Hello. Oh. Okay. Yeah. 
Is it like my trousers but, are torn? I, I, yeah. I always heard I my trousers that. are gone. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love all that kind of rhythmic experimentation. I think John really lost that. Like, uh, uh, I mean, it carries on for a bit. And then I, I think that he, you know, by the 70s, he's much, in much more solid one, two, three, four. Mm. Uh, I, uh, I, love, I love that rhythm there that he's got. Do you think Paul sort of didn't like this song or maybe he was tired or had a cold or something? Because this is one of the ones where the bass kind of doesn't stand out and Paul only does the bass, which is unusual. Uh, and some, I think some people thought that Paul wasn't there at all. Yeah, maybe. Um, so Eddie, you... anyway, you know, he sat back. Yeah, maybe. It is true that it is one of his weakest contributions to, to the album. Um, you can even yeah. tell that he, he even tried harder with Yellow Submarine. Um, but it's true, yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's it, it's as if he wasn't there, but he clearly was there. You can hear it's Paul. You can hear them even, you know, talking about it. Yeah. According to Ian MacDonald, um, Paul didn't play on this song. Yeah. So, and he's wrong because you can hear them and talking. Then, yeah. And then Kevin Howlett. Um, then kind of said that he did. Yeah, he did, but he wasn't on form. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. What do you think of uh, just any of the versions of Paperback Writer? Yeah, well, I, I don't think they had, I think that's one of the songs that they actually didn't have, um, they didn't play many takes. Um, if we listen to takes yep. one and two, the backing track, it sounds almost like the, the master. Yes. Which is incredible. I think. And it I'll, came quite early on, didn't it? Yeah, I'll play a bit of um, takes Go one on, and two. play a bit of one of the early ones, yeah. yeah. course there is no bass because Paul over, overdubbed it later yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a fantastic track I love I love the I love the way that drum just uh, it comes in a bit early mm-hmm. boom and then off goes the track I love that and um, apparently nobody knows who plays guitar on the final version whether it's Paul or George uh, nobody really knows because t- two of them are playing together I think John and Paul played together on the first one yeah I think it sounds like Paul to me mm. yeah it on sounds- the guitar yeah Ian McDonald said I, I quite like this because it's all throughout this album cannabis induced fascination with getting the maximum out of one chord <laughs> Uh, you know, because that happens on, you know, obviously Tomorrow Never Knows and Love You Too and this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and, actually, and, and and just really, really successfully, you, when when you hear the stripped down version, you can hear how simple the riff is. But um, Yeah, it's only two chords, right? It's when, G and C. 
Right, and when you hear the full version, it's just like, just great. One of the best riffs from the 60s, I'd say. I think they were influenced by things like Satisfaction and all that when they were doing this. Yeah, it says here that yeah, Mc- McCartney stated that he played the song's opening riff on his Epiphone Casino guitar, and photos from yes. the recording session seem to be consistent with this. So Right, yeah, so perhaps he, he did it on that. And uh, one of the things that Ian McDonald said, he's very critical Oh, he was very critical, I should say, but uh, um, that it was a kind of faux 60s lyric, so the kinks were having hits with, you know, their little um, sort of set piece things, uh, vignettes about 60s life, and this was mm-hmm. kind of the Beatles almost kind of replying to that and trying to get in on that. Which, uh, so... Uh, Ian McDonald says it doesn't really tell you much about 60s life it's more like about the Beatles kind of trying to fit in with that trend of course they did it so well later they did Um, and Sunny Afternoon actually came out well I I think it was number one when they were recording this Sunny Afternoon by the Kings Mm -hmm. and one of the bass one of the tracks the bass is just like Sunny Afternoon I'm not sure which one. When I was listening to this, I heard it, and I just thought, wow, that's the same bass. Dum, 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 dum. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I mean, they were listening to a lot of stuff, and, and I think the Beatles weren't, weren't shy um, about kind of stealing things from other bands. Um, no, of course, inspired, of course. Right? Like, you, you, you can hear Bob Dylan's um, influence a lot um, on Robert Soul, and, um, yes. and yeah, so... But yeah, yeah, this new stereo version is again the go-to version, the one on disc five. Um, this version of Paperback Writer is so well mixed. Um, it's going to be the one I go to if I want to listen to this song. Oh, it's, 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 it's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Do you think that was the best Beatles single? And if it is, is it the best single of all time? <laughs> Paperback writer. I don't know if it's the best single of all time, but it is amazing. It is. It's a double A side, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's "I'm Only Sleeping." That's the one where the the bass melody. I wonder exactly the recording date and when the Kinks hit was. So the doom 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 is very much like um, "Sunny Afternoon." Yeah. yeah. Um, there is a great version of "I'm Only Sleeping" as well um, here in the mm. outtakes. Is it take two? I'll play a bit of it. The kind of rehearsal? Yeah. It, it starts off, to, the first one is just with the vibraphone, a lovely vibraphone, and then take two is the rehearsal. Yeah, I'll play take two, a, a little bit of it. Take two. the bass it's crazy mm. yep the tax man's taken all my dough <laughs> and left me in his stately home definitely that's yeah. a little influence um how, how do you like the mm? mono mix as well like the the mono mix of that uh did you notice any differences? The the RM1 mono mix. Um, is that for I'm Only Sleeping? Yeah. I haven't heard it, actually. It's one of the ones I've okay. skipped. So it's just, uh, it, it's it's pretty similar. But I, there's, you know, those backwards noises that mm-hmm. come in at just the right point. Uh, 
they're a little bit they have a little bit more of those and they're sort of more accentuated so it sounds a little bit like a precursor to tomorrow never knows right um they were really getting into that at that point um it's pretty similar overall okay um this one is slightly longer the monomix um the version of the on the record is three minutes and this is three minutes and seven seconds Seven seconds. Wow, yeah. I wonder where they got those from. Maybe at the end. Yeah, it's the same with Paperback Writer. The stereo version is 2 minutes 59 and the mono version is 2 minutes 26. So it's almost... 26 and 29? No, 26 and 59. Sorry, no. Sorry. No. no! No, 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 sorry, sorry. 18 and 26, sorry. The stereo version is... The stereo there, version there is, is a... The, there is a track on here where there's a whole ex. I think it is... Maybe it is I'm Only Sleeping. So there's a track here where they cut out a whole... Oh, it's Dr. Robert. It's the well, well, well. So they cut out a third um, um, iteration of well, well, well. Um, so that, yeah, they, they actually cut it out to shorten it. Yeah. So They I'm, shouldn't have been shortening things. They should have been lightening them. I know. It's crazy. Um, then another one I really love from, from the outtakes is Here, There and Everywhere, Take Six. Yes, yeah, that's beautiful. It's so raw. It's so raw, yeah. It's, yeah, it's similar to the one that came in the Real Love single, which was, I think, a combination of Take 6 and Take 7, but here we only get Take 6, which is great. Okay. One, two, three. To lead a better life I need my love to be here Making each day of the year Changing my life with a wave of her hand Nobody can deny that there's something there, there. So yeah, it's beautiful It's beautiful uh, it's, I was having a conversation recently with my friend and Toronto and talking about you know who would be the best songwriter of all time and I said Paul and he said no Paul be way down and 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 he made me guess for a little while and then I said Bob Dylan and that's what he was thinking and I I I know that Paul is you know can be weaker on lyrics although we have some good examples here like Paperback Writer and Eleanor Rigby and we have him entering his lyrical peak I guess that that uh, in the late Beatles years, mm-hmm. but um, melodically, you know, here, there, and everywhere, it's just stunning. I mean, he'll be remembered as this incredible melodicist, and you can hear that is just with the, the guitar. There's nothing else there before they arranged it at all, and it's just wonderful. Yeah, I think that's the song. That's his favorite Beatles song. Paul has said in interviews. Um, I think because John um, gave him a compliment, he said that he really John liked, liked it as well. Yeah. And then I, again, I'm really curious about the arrangement. Who did the da 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 da, da on the lead guitar? Was that Paul I, or I, was it George I, Martin? It, it I, sounds like like George Harrison might have played that part. Um, yeah, I wonder who wrote it though. Who wrote it? Um, I wonder who said. You know what we need there is that little. We just let's just embellish it with that, like because it's not all the way through. Yeah, um, I, but it, again, I it just makes it. I wouldn't be surprised if it had been George. I mean, he came up with that dun 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 in I love and I love her as well. So you could, um, he if was, it was George, then that just you know 
raises his stock, doesn't it? If he can yeah. do things like that, because it's so tasteful rather than, you know, I want to be on all the way through this track, you know, just, it's just there and it, it, it does what it does and it fills that gap perfectly. It's a beautiful, even on the final version, it's sparse. Um, of course, it's drenched in harmonies, but the arrangement is very, very lovely. And and I, and I kind of agree with Paul. It's definitely, well, it's definitely one of his peaks i mean it's definitely one of the top 10 beatles tracks but i mean it's got a lot of co a lot of competition yeah and <laughs> you were talking about paul as a songwriter um yes i think he's a great songwriter but he's got some really dodgy lyrics as well i don't know if you've heard the song press which was released in 86 um <laughs> i don't even know that album yeah well that was the main single and i always remember these lines it said like oklahoma was never like this never like this it was never like this ever like this say was it ever like this <laughs> okay <laughs> was oklahoma ever oklahoma? like that well that? gee paul i don't know <laughs> yeah it's just crazy so it feels like this song the one was i don't by a like person the one that's difficult for me is at the end of egypt station there's the whole thing about the captain of the ship and all that mm -hmm. and then there's the whole thing about the will of the people and that's kind of a misstep because of populism isn't exactly what Paul thinks it is. You know, yeah. It's kind of a naive lyric. It's the will of the people, man. You know, so yeah, he's not, he's not a great lyricist, but I mean, he's a He is the greatest melodicist. There's nobody in his league. So uh, that's why he's got a claim to be the greatest songwriter of our age. Well, and yeah, he's written very good um, lyrics as well, um, but he's written really bad ones too. If only we could have the lyrics of Dylan and the music of Paul, and we'd be, you know, the, the Beatles are the closest. Yeah, we get they, to they that. never collaborated. I think it would have been nice to get a collaboration of. of um, yeah, Dylan we get we get some with the Beatles. We get some really superb yeah. music, and we get them. We get them trying very hard to write good lyrics, uh, you know, because they're in competition with one another. And then Eleanor Rigby, I mean. Perhaps Paul's best lyric. Yeah, for sure. That is yeah. probably his best lyric, um, hands down. But John was cooperating. I know Paul's like, oh, it's my lyric, it's my lyric. But, you know, wearing a face that she keeps in a jar by the door, I don't know. It could be John. I'm wondering if he had a bit of input there. Yeah, who knows? For No One also is a good lyric on this album. Um, oh, For No One is fantastic. That's just fantastic. And, and it's very restrained, isn't it? Yeah. Because uh, it could be... Oh, they've broken up, and it's so sad. And it, 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 none of that is said, so it's a very, it's a very tasteful lyric. Yeah, and just the way it ends, kind of hanging on that chord. Um, yeah, yeah, it's very sad. And there's some, there's a little bit of pre-chat there, which is nice in the version here. And Ringo's like, "Shall I even play?" And Paul's like, "Yeah, yeah, play." Yeah, let's play a bit of that. Mm, and you can do karaoke to it. <laughs> I'm trying to find it. Is it on CD3? It's on It's on the outtakes. Yeah, disc CD2. Yeah. It's like nine. Yeah. Don't do anything else. Oh, yeah, yeah, do. Just keep trying all. Yeah, do. Yeah.
sounds really nice. I'm so glad they included that because it's one of a, it's one of the best examples. The Beatles are really well known for those descending chord progressions. Yeah. Sometimes with the vocals ascending and the, the bass line going down, down, down. And that's a great example. And it's, it's lovely to hear it without the vocal. Yeah. Hey, so we thought that we wouldn't be able to talk for an hour about um, the outtakes. And it's already been an hour. Just about. Has yeah. it been a whole hour? It's been an hour and one minute, yeah. Can you wow, believe it? So we wow. can talk. <laughs> this is this is Beatles train spotting. <laughs> yeah, we haven't talked about the mono versions and we have talked about disc five, which is the singles. I ca I can't comment on the mono versions because I haven't uh I haven't heard them yet. That's the one thing I haven't heard. Like I've gotta be Somebody's got to convince me about why mono is better. I'm really all about stereo. Yeah, I guess that mono is better in some of the older um, records because of the weird st stereo that they have. And also because the Beatles uh, or the mixes weren't meant to be played on um, or the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, but it's interesting. Some of these, uh, like, I don't know, even some of the simpler, the less kind of standout tracks. Like if you listen to the new uh mixes of I Want to Tell You, for example, you know, not the strongest track, or Got to Get You Into My Life, it's just like they were made for stereo. That's, that's true. It's just like they were made for that environment. But that's also because probably we've always heard them in stereo. Um, but yeah. if you were growing up in the 60s and you had the mono version, surely you'd go um, and you'd prefer those those versions. Cause that's I mean, mono is apparently very punchy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think the problem with uh, stereo is, I mean, it's something to do with the the bass. And if you put all the bass in one speaker, it's going to sound imbalanced and all that. But with mono, obviously, the bass has to uh, come out of both speakers exactly the same, which now they always do in stereo mixes. But not in the 60s. They'd often put the bass in one ear. And I noticed with these... Modern mixes, the bass is never in one ear, but I always quite like that, you know, listen to Let It Bleed and the song Let It Bleed and a whole lot of Beatles tracks and you know, bass is over to one side, why not? Yeah. It can be it can be anywhere, but now like bass is always in the middle, drums are always in the middle. Yeah. Um yeah, it's true. I I don't know about the mono ones. Um I'd like to get a copy of, of the of like a sixties copy of Revolver in Mono and, and, and compare it. Um, and, and see it, yeah. And see yeah. It. But then apparently, if you want to play mono in a stereo, stereo hi-fi, um, you would have to do some kind of weird connection with cable, so it's actually true mono. <laughs> and I can't be bothered really? to do that. Yeah. No, no, no. There's no life's too short to do that. Yeah. So just to finish off with Bernardo, which which track here could you not live without? Would it be Taxman? Tomorrow never knows. Here, there, and everywhere, or something else. For me, it would be here, or there, and everywhere. Eleanor. It would be here, there, and everywhere. Take six. Uh, How about you? Just such a romantic. Yeah. Possibly that, but possibly Taxman. There's something about the harmonies in Taxman. I just, I think it's superb. So I don't know. One of those two. Yeah. Or Eleanor Rigby. Or it's hard to but in this version, we only have the instrumental, right? In the in the um, outtakes. Oh, with the outtakes. Ah, okay. With the outtakes. Um, yeah, maybe you're right. With the outtakes here, there, and everywhere, they're nice. They've they've included a good selection here, so it's well worth getting. 
Mm. It's probably not quite as exciting as the White Album or um, Abbey Road, but there's a lot here. Really nice. Yeah. Um, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with Rubber Soul, which I would guess is going to be the next re-release. I hope so. I hope it's Rubber Soul. And that's probably the one that we're going to talk about next on the podcast, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yep. Probably mm-hmm. next week. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well, oh, it depends on, on your availability, but either next week or the week after that. We will do Rubber Soul. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Great. It'd be nice to revisit that too. For sure. Um, yeah, it was really nice to be back. It felt like that. It we, was? Yeah, like we hadn't done a, an, an episode in, in what, in over a month? Let's try and make it more regular. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Great to talk to you. Likewise. Speak to you soon. See you next time. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye.